Hello and welcome to another episode of the Marxism Podcast. My name is Mark Jarrett and today I'm joined by another guest, another friend, the mighty and powerful Shane Roberts. And today we are going to talk about environmentalism. And I wanted Shane to come onto this podcast because he is by far one of the most environmentally conscious people that I have ever met. He's vegan, he rides his bike everywhere, he probably takes cold showers and <laughs> i mean you built a hydroponic food Whoa. growth thing so shane welcome to the marxism podcast thanks man it's good to be here great um, all right so my first question to you is is it too late to slow down the process of climate change what are some immediate changes people can do to make an impact okay cool let's get right into it in my opinion it is the way our pollution is working on the environment in terms of carbon dioxide is that it has a hundred years worth of lag. And by that, I mean what we're polluting into the environment right now is going to be felt for a hundred years. So we basically have to keep that in mind in terms of whether we can do something right now so what we do is for the future so we're gonna have to obviously do the best that we can but it's going to take a long time before we can start reversing the carbon dioxide pollution into our environment and so it's kind of, I don't want to say it's too late because then there's just no point in living, I guess. Right. Because it's kind of, if it's too late, then we're really, we're really on a bad track. So I feel like we need to do the best that we can right now so that we can shorten that hundred year lag. And by that, I mean, you know, if we decide to start really making the big changes that we need to be doing now in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, then that 100 years keeps getting pushed farther on. So it would be nice to really do something good now so that by 2100, in a good state, right. we're starting to be in a better state. Okay. Do you think climate change is something with personal responsibility, it's up to the individual, or do you think it's a government responsibility or both? Good question. Um, I think it's definitely both. It's definitely everybody on all fronts needs to be thinking about it, acting on it, doing everything that they can and should to lessen the impact. So as an individual, we have choices. You mentioned this a couple episodes ago. You know, we can decide to... One of the coolest things is we kind of vote every time we purchase something. And companies care a lot about that these days. So every time you buy something, you're making a choice and you're saying, I want that. And so if you're buying more consciously and, and the products that you're buying are more geared towards reducing the impact on our earth then you're voting for a better future so as individuals we have that 
power. And then as a government, we should also be making the bigger changes and the more forceful changes. And I guess that might sound scary in terms of like, you know, like communism and and really making sure that the country acts right away. But I think that there are certain things that really need to be done right away and don't really have, you know, we don't really have the leisure to let it work itself out because the longer we wait, the worse it becomes. And it's not something that we can just keep pushing off or, or become one of those things now where it is the most pressing thing that is that we are faced with as a society. So right. yes, individuals and government should both be working against climate change. Right. When it comes to environmentalism, activism in particular, there's a lot of protesting and uh, protesting against governments to do more about climate change. Do you think that's the most effective way or do you think there are uh, other forms of activism that would be better in your opinion? Okay. Um, I've actually read a few books on activism and like organizing people to do something against climate change and I don't really I ha I still haven't come up with a good answer and I'm still searching for that I think in terms of our own abilities and our own choices the best thing we can do is to live simply and hmm. that I have for sure I believe and have read enough and researched enough in in that subject to know that hands down it is the best way to combat climate change and living simply is a broad term and so I by that I mean we kind of have to dial back our behaviors in, in the way that we live and by that I mean less consumption of material goods of electricity of resources all those things have to be dialed back in terms of our our kind of way of living and throwing away and using and then throwing away and just we keep consuming and and you know buying stuff and that is i guess what's driving growth in our economy and we're always trying to go for growth and and it's kind it's it's a it's a big ask and a big it's a big task to live simply and to change the way we're all going the direction we're going and it's going to take a major makeover i would say right it's interesting you mentioned that because uh a lot of the things with uh, economies like China and India that are growing and they mm -hmm. want to live the North American lifestyle, right. so to speak, there's a big green movement in those countries on living more simply. Not every family can have two cars. We're going to have to consume less meat, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So um, with that mindset of wanting to live the North American life, how would you say China and India, and they are there are movements that are trying to make them live more simply, how do you get that message? Well, we wouldn't have to get that message across, but do you think enough is being 
being shown to them that that needs to kind of happen that they have to dial back um because you have traveled to india and china you were there last year and i was wondering if you had seen anything along those lines so um definitely in china it is becoming this huge movement kind yeah, of yeah this huge the, the whole country is moving together it seems like into our western style of life our our even though they are a communist nation it mm. seems like they're going into this capitalist consume and live living in this middle class type of lifestyle where they are consuming way more in terms of meat which they didn't used to before they're consuming way more in material goods which i saw that's probably the one of the biggest ones i saw was just how much it's about buy 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 really eh? in the stores everywhere Hmm. always and when you talk to the people day-to-day kind of thing that's what you're talking about with them and it's it's scary but I don't know enough in terms of what we or they are doing to guide their citizens towards better consumption. I do know that China in particular, because of their communist ways, is really, really good at moving their country towards doing something all together at once. So when the government says do a then the people will do a right it's kind of like big brother speaks and everybody does and and listens and and it's kind of cool in that sense to see a country really come together and do what they're guided to do yeah it's it's scary but it is it's powerful yeah it's powerful when you when you think about you know the guidance and and if you could get them to move and it's hard to decide what's the best way but you know in a good way then they would really get behind it and 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 go that way okay which is cool very cool now you and i met each other at the university of guelph obviously taking entirely different things criminal justice on my part environmental sciences on your part Guelph is a very agricultural-based school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've already mentioned diet and meat twice in this podcast. <laughs> How much does diet affect the environment? Okay, good question. It is a huge part. It is, you know, depending on the documentary you, you see or the, or the research you read or, you know, the exact facts, I, I couldn't tell you what percentage... Um, of let's just say carbon dioxide pollution meat consumption would be causing to the environment but it is the biggest Mm. for sure it is the largest producer of greenhouse gases because of our industrial way of going about it and and that is based on our want for meat products and animal products i should say um because it's not just meat that is driving the pollution it's also the dairy and egg um industries as well and i remember when i found this out 
thanks to you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was Mark himself. Uh, he's the one who pushed me to be a vegan. All so. credit <laughs> taken. So, um, yeah, I remember when it was essentially you who guided me to, to watch this documentary, Cowspiracy. And then I learned about the impacts from the animal industry and, and essentially came away with it believing that I couldn't really consider myself an environmentalist if I was still consuming animal products because of how big an impact they are having on our environment. And it was scary because you go through these stages of, I guess, truth acceptance. And the first one is denial and you just want to not believe it's true because it would just mean such a big change in your life that it's not easy to accept. So it's, you go through denial and then, and then there's this middle stage where you're like, okay, maybe like, let me, let me research. Let me look into this a little bit more. And then the final one is acceptance. And, and I went through those and then decided, okay, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna really, and I did want to make the world a better, and I did and I do still want to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if I, if I'm going to go through with that, then I need to stop consuming animal products. And I did, and it's almost been three years now. And time flies, awesome. huh? Yeah, time does fly. Wow. Um, so it's, I'm always hesitant about, I guess, getting into this and, and talking, I guess, on my part about starting the conversation mm-hmm. about this. And I love when people want to know and ask questions and I'm happy to talk about it, but I'm not so much of a one to push my ways on people, even though I do believe it is one of the best choices we can make as individuals to start moving towards a better environment. Sure. Uh, but also leading by example might be another way to yes. help people become more environmental. Yes. Very. I'm, I'm actually really yeah. glad you brought that up um, because that's, that is, I think the best way is once you, once you adopt this kind of simple living lifestyle of low consumption and low impact on the earth and you live it well and you truly embrace it and and enjoy it um then your lifestyle is felt by other people Mm -hmm. and people see the way you live and they want they want what you have in terms of you know your ease of of living because although it's not perfect and and easy it's it's simple and it's it's kind and it's a it's like a clean and happy way to live and you feel good about yourself and that kind of builds on itself and people feel that and want that and then will naturally when they're ready come to you and 
ask you about it or yeah most of the time I find people will ask me and they have to be in the right mindset because it's one you know as you probably know one of the hardest things to get people to change when they don't want to and although you know we need change it's not easy to get everybody to Mm -hmm. hop on the bandwagon all of a sudden right and so people have to be in the right mindset and, and the right place in their life to change mm-hmm. and so but when they're ready i think people will naturally latch on to this way of life because it's it's one in it's it's just an easy not an easy it's a simple happy way to live and feel good about what you're doing right yourself right do you think that once people become more environmentally focused that by helping the environment it will uh start helping other aspects uh that make up society or the world um a lot of people say uh just as an example if there wasn't such a pressure uh, such a reliance on oil for instance mm-hmm. there would be a reduction in terrorist activities because a lot of terrorists target oil fields they're not they're not going after wind farms in syria yeah, you know what i mean see. so uh by helping the environment do you think it can have a domino effect in helping other aspects of society and the political world i guess i think um it's a good it's a good question i feel like in my in my reading and, and research i remember coming across a thing that said the number one thing you can do to improve the environment is and 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 i guess this was improve society on a whole in general like the number one thing you can do is educate women okay and and this might be like what you know women are educated and yes that's true in the western world but the majority of the population and the rest of the world doesn't have our access to education i would say and so if you if you could somehow provide all around education for women that would be the best thing mm. and and that kind of boils down to women become educated and therefore are you know know about raising children and and not having too many and then that kind of helps population growth and then they're educated so they want to you know pursue lives in whatever their interests are and and then are not forced to you know stay at home or be homemakers if if they don't want to be and some people do and that's fine and so that kind of gets them into society and then they're making decisions Mm. and and they're educated so they're making better decisions and and it just gives a more fair representation of the population in terms in places where it's not representative yeah and then that 
on a whole will bring society to a higher level, a better level. And so, so maybe in that case, then if you were to give the environment a stronger focus and a glow on a global scale, then maybe you could get, you know, when it would, when it, when it really came down to policy making and action plans, that might be one of them. And then in that case, you would help society on a whole yeah. be better. And it wouldn't just be environmental. It would be everything. Right. Yeah. I guess if you educate more people and that being obviously women, then you'd get yeah. more women into environmentalism. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. guess that's kind of the idea. Um, I was recently reading an article not too long ago that India actually has been building kind of like a fence or wall uh, along the Bangladeshi border. And the idea Mm -hmm. of it is, is since sea levels are rising, Bangladesh is probably going to be underwater. So there's going to be a lot of people on the move. And the closest place is probably India that they're going to go to. Right. And India obviously wants to keep them out. They already have 1.3 billion people. Mm -hmm. And... They don't want climate refugees. The other concern with India, too, is the fear of Islamic extremism in in Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. So if India keeps out those refugees and assuming that other countries might do the same around the world, do you think Canada, with all its space, might be a hub for climate refugees? I feel like Canada is definitely one of the better places to be going into climate change Hmm. one because of our access to water um two because we are a more northern country um so when temperatures start to rise as they already have been but start to rise more and more and temperatures become extreme in places where they so in the, in the case of the Arctic, it's going to warm up a lot and then deserts are going to become even hotter and drier and sea levels are going to rise in places like Bangladesh. It is, it is a good spot to be in Canada. Now, whether we open the doors to everybody and, and let everybody come in, I don't know. I feel like right now, our I don't know much about our policy on climate change refugees or refugees in general, but I feel like we're pretty open okay. with them. And, um, and if we continue to be, then maybe we will become one of those hotspots for climate refugees. But, I mean, it's a good... It's sad to see that if that is the case, that India is building a wall to keep them out because I mean that is the closest place and it wouldn't be easy for Bangladeshians to come to Canada right yeah um because of the distance and the oceans and I guess I I feel like having an open door kind of policy because of our space and our positioning that in terms of like humanitarianism that's kind of the right thing to do right but whether that's feasible i don't know Mm -hmm. um and those are the kind of questions i think we should be 
thinking about because Bangladesh is already starting to go underwater mm-hmm. and it is it's only going to get worse because the ice is just going to keep melting and if we if we all adopt policies where we put up walls and shut down borders and and close airports then that's just going to make it our our society's more divided when we should be coming together right and it's a scary future to think about if yeah. if that's the case because we need to be open and talking about it so we can find solutions and 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 work together on this because it is such a massive challenge mm-hmm. we face and so you know i hope that we grasp the gravity of this challenge before it becomes a runaway problem right yeah because um i was reading this was like a couple years ago but uh the refugees from syria as an example that are you know showed up on the shores of europe are technically climate refugees because a lot of them are farmers and there Mm -hmm. was such a uh, intense drought in Syria that they all moved to the cities. They couldn't find jobs in the cities, which caused mass uprisings. And then as the government cracked down on the citizens, they obviously fled terror. Right. So we've already been kind of experiencing that. And it's expected, I think it was by, you might be, you might know this, but by 2040 or 2050, there's going to be 600 million climate refugees if things keep going at the rate that it is. Yeah. It's, so. I think you're right. Um, I'm never sure whether, you know, the numbers are exact but either way it's that's a lot of people it's a lot of people it's um it's always the ones who have the least that are impacted the most Mm -hmm. which is unfair and sad and you know i feel like it's tough to get people to give up what we have and or what they have because we've kind of become accustomed to our lives and the way we live and but it's it's something that we will eventually have to do and it's hard to say when that's going to happen but the sooner we come to grips with this and realize it and accept it and start moving towards that simple way of living then the more positive change we can bring the faster we can kind of adapt our societies and get them moving in the right direction and the more people we can help the more people we can save from becoming climate refugees or from displacement because of rising sea levels or you know uh no access to water you know food shortages because of no arable land or Mm -hmm. the the temp no rain it just all these crazy climate change extreme extremes that are going to be happening are going to become more frequent and then it's that's kind of the hard thing to predict because we all want to know okay well 
when is this going to start to happen? And I guess we can kind of feel it already. Like we're here in our, now it's March, but we just kind of went through the end of February and it was plus 12. And I don't remember the last time that it was that warm in February in, in Toronto. And, and I guess it had me thinking for sure recently about what we're talking about right now. And it's scary. Yeah. And that's a, we're in a pretty mild case. We're not in right. Cape Town, South Africa right that's now. Right. That's running yeah. out of water. The first city to ever run out of, run out of water. Or last year in what September, Hurricane Irma, fastest winds ever mm-hmm. recorded, yeah. which I think is often, which was, I think, overlooked in a way. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of, there's sometimes the argument that sometimes environmentalists can be anti-human do you think that is accurate or do you think that is not i guess anti-human what does that what does that mean in terms of well i guess a lot of them say that humans are the root for causing Ah, temperatures to rise and therefore right yeah okay i see what you're saying i think that yeah I, i i do believe that I guess extreme environmentalists or maybe even just environmentalists in general can have this you know inner anger towards okay. the general society for the way they act and 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 probably a lot of them are angry at themselves as well because I th- I'm sure they do realize that they are part of society and I know that, that, you know, even though I try my best in terms of my individual capacities to make the environment better, that I'm still part of, you know, our general capitalist society. Okay. And I think that that anger towards society or people is one of i or it's more it's targeted at the people who know what they're doing and decide to keep doing it even though they know it's bad but do it because either they don't feel like the changes are going to happen in their lifetime and so therefore they pass it off onto future generations or they know that they'll be able to get themselves out because of their wealth or their position in society mm-hmm. and i know that's true for myself and you know that that anger that I have is towards those people who have a position in society to really in society to really bring about change, whether it be positive or negative, and then decide to either continue business as usual or you know decide to do something that negatively impacts the environment and and know so but decide to ignore it that 
is frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, as as I hope you listeners w- could understand and would understand that you know for when people know that they're doing a bad thing but do it anyway or mm-hmm. just pass it along to those who ha- don't have the power or the resources to avoid the impacts that that choice is causing it is it's frustrating and it's and it's angering and but i i wouldn't say they're anti-human in their care for society as a whole right yeah and i feel like they're some of the most caring people in terms of trying to save our planet and species and all the earthlings you know trying to keep them from becoming extinct because of our choices and we all know that it is us who is you know causing this Mm -hmm. um it's it's hard to find people who at least educated people that still deny climate change you know it's kind of like finding people who still believe that the earth is flat you know (laughs) although they're out there yeah um it's 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 just general knowledge and acceptance that you know it's us yeah so it is it is it's a tough situation when you look at it when you look at the whole thing but i i feel like if you if you want to make a change right now and and have the power to do so and we all do it is to start being conscious of your choices when it comes to buying things and 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 knowing that you can still have as much or more appreciation and happiness and fulfillment from life in in a simpler life okay than you get from whatever you're doing right now and sometimes you'll have to give up stuff that you currently enjoy or want or like but there's trade-offs and you won't know about them or fully understand them until you get into it and sometimes you can have an idea of it uh but once you trade off and 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 start living that life then you you really appreciate it more and it's kind of like a like a runaway effect okay that like you start you start thinking about okay what am i eating and then you're like, okay, how am I spending my time? You know, what am I doing for work? And this kind of all, you start to become more conscious of everything. And then you, this kind of leads you in a way, I think, that you'll enjoy more. Okay. All right. I think on that note, we're going to end it. 
All right. And uh, is there anywhere that people can find you, Shane? Um, yes. So I have my YouTube channel, VegHead. It's been a while since I've uh, uploaded videos, but I, I it's still open and I still continue to make videos. And I have some ideas that are going to be coming out soon um, once I get to them. But uh, yeah, I would say that's probably the best place to find me and highly recommend the channel by the way thank you you, you got to look thank up the you. hydroponic what was it called it's so it was um it was a hydroponic growing tower that i grew essentially the the greens that i would put in my smoothie every morning and um so it is i forget the exact name but it's a it's a how-to video on setting up and building your own hydroponic tower slash growing operation and that's on youtube by veghead but if you search veghead and you go to my channel you'll be able to find it there but uh yeah i just want to say thank you to mark and uh it was awesome being on this podcast and getting to share my ideas and practice on speaking my mind sometimes i have trouble getting it all out in a easy to understand way but i hope you listeners enjoyed it and got something from it and um that's my part to say but you know that's okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah sorry about that it's all Um, good i'll pass it off to you now all right well anytime more than welcome to come on to uh my show and this has been the marxism podcast i am mark jarrett and i've been joined with shane roberts uh you can find me on uh twitter facebook any of those things like share rate subscribe and in the meantime we are out of here